Thank you for downloading this podcast of A History of the World in 100 Objects from BBC Radio 4. What do you take with you when you travel? Most of us would embark on a long list of objects that begins with a toothbrush and ends with excess baggage. But for most of human history, there was only one thing that you really needed in order to travel. A stone hand axe. Pretty sharp around the edges, isn't it? I think whoever made this did it very beautifully and carefully. It looks pretty straightforward, but in fact, it's extremely tricky to make. And for over a million years, it was literally the cutting edge of technology. Once they'd been invented, if you want to use that word, they just never changed the design. And I think that is the ultimate compliment to the design of a superb tool. It accompanied our ancestors through half of their history, and it was the main reason that they spread first across Africa and then across the world. A history of the world in a hundred objects. Stone hand axe, made 1.2 million years ago, found in Oljivai Gorge, Tanzania, East Africa. For a million years, the sound of making hand axes provided the percussion of everyday life. Anyone choosing a hundred objects to tell a history of the world has to include a hand axe. All of this week, I'm looking at objects from the very earliest moments of human history. Every object I've chosen is a document of the world in which it was made, but also marks a critical stage in the process by which we became fully human. And what I think makes this stone axe so interesting is how much it tells us not just about the hand, but about the mind that made it. I'm holding the hand axe now. It doesn't, of course, look anything like a modern axe. There's no handle and there's no metal blade. It's, in fact, a piece of grey-green volcanic rock, a very beautiful grey-green, and it's in the shape of a teardrop. And it's a lot more versatile than a modern straight axe would be. The stone's been chipped to give you sharp edges along the long sides of the teardrop, so to speak, and to give you a sharp point at one end. When you hold it up against a human hand, you're struck by how closely it matches the shape, although this one is unusually large and is bigger than most human hands would be. It's also been very beautifully worked, and you can see the marks of the chipping that have shaped it. A hand axe like this was the Swiss Army knife of the Stone Age, an essential piece of technology with multiple uses. The pointed end could, of course, be used as a drill, while the long blades on either side will cut trees or meat or scrape bark or skins. You can imagine using this to butcher an elephant to cut the hide and remove the meat. The very earliest tools, like the stone chopper we were looking at in the last programme, would strike all of us as pretty rudimentary. 
They look like chipped cobbles, and they were made simply by taking one large piece of stone and striking it with another, chipping off a few bits to make at least one sharp cutting edge. But this hand axe is a very different matter. Now you can see here I've selected a piece of flint which is relatively long and thin. Not a great deal of work to thin it down. This is the expert stone napper, Phil Harding. And what I do is I select a hard stone hammer, in this case a quartzite pebble, about the size of a cricket ball, and I elect to hit it in one place. And this is where I start to nap. Now you can see why they call it cracking, can't you? Eh? <laughs> now once I've taken one flake off, what I do then is I turn the flint over and I take a flake off the other side. And then I turn it back again. And pretty much by the time I've got all the way round, you can actually see that what I've done is made a very crude form of the final implement. It is rounded and it's got flaking on both sides, but crucially, it's got a cutting edge that goes all the way round. Simply watching a practice napper at work shows just how many skills the maker of our hand axe must have possessed. Hand axes are not things you just knock off. They're the result of experience, of careful planning and of skill learned and refined over a long period. Now, if I really wanted to refine that and people did want to refine that, they really were creative people. They wanted to make beautiful objects, not just functional objects. What they could then do is change the hammer from a big stone hammer to a hammer that is much softer. A piece of antler is a perfect hammer. And what we would do then is actually thin the piece down and refine the shape, work our way round. And in about perhaps 10 to 15 minutes, there's your hand axe. But as well as great manual dexterity, what's important for our story is the conceptual leap required. To be able to imagine in the rough lump of stone the shape that you want to make, in the way that a sculptor today can see the statue inside the block of marble. This particular piece of supreme high-tech stone is between 1.2 and 1.4 million years old. Like the chopping tool we were looking at in the last programme, it was found in East Africa at Olduvai Gorge, that great split in the savannah in Tanzania. But this comes from a higher geological layer than the chopping tool. And there's a huge leap between those earliest first stone tools and this hand axe, because I think it's in this tool that we find the real beginnings of modern humans. The person that made this is, I think, a person we would have recognised as someone like us. All this carefully focused and planned creativity implies an enormous advance in how our ancestors saw the world and how their brains worked. But this hand axe may contain the evidence of something even more remarkable. Does this chipped stone tool hold the secret of speech? Was it in making things like this that we learned how to talk to one another. Recently, scientists have looked at what happens inside the brain when a stone tool is being made. They've used modern hospital scanners to see which bits of the brain are used when a napper is working with stone. 
And surprisingly, the areas of the modern brain activated when you're making a hand axe overlap considerably with those you use when you speak. It now seems very likely that if you can shape a stone, you can shape a sentence. Of course, we've no idea what the maker of our hand axe might have said, but it seems probable that he would have had roughly the language abilities of a seven-year-old child. But whatever the level, this early speech would clearly have been the beginnings of a quite new capacity for communication. And that would have meant that people could sit down to exchange ideas, plan their work together, or even just to gossip. If you can make a decent hand axe like this one, it's a good bet that you're well on the way to something that we would all recognise as society. So, 1.2 million years ago, where are we? We can make tools like our hand axe that help us control our environment and, in fact, transform it. The hand axe gives us not just better food, but can also skin animals for clothing and strip branches for fire or shelter. Not only this, we can now talk to each other and we can imagine something that isn't already in front of us. What next? The hand axe is about to accompany us on a huge journey. Because with all these skills, we're no longer tied to our immediate environment. If we need to, even if we just want to, we can move Travel is possible, maybe even desirable, and we can spread beyond the warm savannas of East Africa and survive, perhaps even flourish, in a colder climate. The hand axe is our passport to the rest of the world. And in the study collections of the British Museum, you can find hand axes from all over Africa, Nigeria, South Africa, Libya, but also from Israel and India, Spain and Korea, even from a gravel pit near Heathrow Airport. And as they moved north these early hand axe makers became the first Britons. Nick Ashton has been excavating on the Norfolk coast. In front of us here we have these 30-foot cliffs which are composed of these clays and silts and sands and these were laid down by massive glaciation around about 450,000 years ago which even reached the outskirts of North London. But it's beneath these clays that a local was walking his dog and found the hand axe embedded in these organic sediments. But these tools were first being made in Africa 1.6 million years ago, arrived in southern Europe and parts of Asia just under a million years ago and reached Britain somewhere between 600,000 and 500,000 years ago. Of course, today we're actually standing on a beach, but the coast 500, 600,000 years ago would have been several miles further out. And if you'd walked along that ancient coastline, you would have arrived in what nowadays we call the Netherlands in the heart of central Europe. At this time, there was a major land bridge connecting Britain to mainland Europe. We don't really know why humans colonised Britain at this time, but perhaps it was due to the effectiveness of this new technology that we call the hand axe. The stone hand axe was made essentially in the same way and in the same shape for over a million years, and it must be the most successful piece of human technology in history. But is there one last secret in the stone? Our hand axe is just a bit too large to use easily. Why would you make it like that? I showed it to an expert in ergonomic design, the inventor, Sir James Dyson. What interests me about this is that it's not really very practical. It's double-sided, it has a sharp edge both sides, and it's symmetrical. It's almost as though it's an object of beauty rather than a practical object. 
So I wonder, actually, if it's a decorative thing or even something, you know, like a, a ceremonial sword to make you look brave, powerful, and maybe to pull women. It doesn't look to me like a practical tool. It looks to me more like a show object, a decorative object, than a practical object, because I can only see that whatever I do with it, I'm going to hurt my hand. So I think it's a beautiful object, but I don't believe it has any intent, serious intent behind it. Of course, it is still a practical object, but I think it's nonetheless worth speculating, as Sir James Dyson does, whether our hand axe was made a bit too big for easy use in order to show that it was made for somebody important. Are we looking here at one of the oldest of all status symbols, the expression of a social pecking order? And then... The hand axe is so pleasing to the eye as well as to the hand that it's hard not to ask if it wasn't to some extent made quite intentionally to be a thing of beauty. Is this the beginning of the long story of art? And indeed, the long story of art being pressed into the service of power. Or are we just projecting back onto those distant ancestors our own ways of thinking about beauty and status? In the next programme we're going to be unquestionably in the realm of art. I'm going to be looking at a masterpiece of Ice Age sculpture carved in the tusk of a mammoth. You can see the object described in this programme close up on the A History of the World website, as well as hundreds of others from museums right around the UK. And if you have an object with a history to tell, why not add it to our growing collection? Find all this at bbc.co.uk slash a history of the world.